This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program, and we're going to have some fun today because in segment two, we're going to talk about the physics of superheroes with author James Kekalios. Dr. Kekalios is with the University of Minnesota. He is a professor of physics and astronomy. And uh, on pondering, you know, (laughs) what it would take for, say, Superman to jump eighth of the mile up, uh, well, he derived some interesting physics from that and used it to illustrate his physics classes. So we will delve into, uh, you know, Superman, The Flash, the Green Lantern, Batman, etc. here uh, uh, at some length and, like I say, have quite a bit of fun with this. Let's begin the program as we like to do with On This Date in History, which in our case today is July the 17th. It was on July 17th in 709 B.C. that the earliest confirmed recording of a solar eclipse was made in Chinese records. On this date in 1861, the U.S. Congress authorized the printing of paper money for the first time. This was done primarily to assist in the financing of the Civil War. These demand notes were replaced a year later by legal tender notes, which were the predecessors of today's Federal Reserve notes, which appear to be based on the notion that people will accept them. On July 17th in 1913, film audiences were introduced for the first time To the Pie in the Face. This was recorded in the American silent film A Noise from the Deep. And for those keeping score, it was comedian Mabel Norman hitting comic Fatty Arbuckle in the face with the first cinematic pie. July 17th, 1938, Douglas Wrongway Corrigan left Floyd Bennett Field in New York for Los Angeles, California, allegedly, but instead landed his 1929 Curtis Robin monoplane 28 hours later in Ireland at Dublin's Baldonnell Field. Now, uh, uh, Wrongway Corrigan was celebrated after this event uh, as a guy who really did have navigational problems. After all, he mistook the Atlantic Ocean for the North American continent. Given the the rather (laughs) remarkable implausibility of that, uh, the real story is that he wanted to fly to Ireland anyway, was denied permission, and so, uh, you know, got a flight clearance to go to L.A. and then said, whoa, whoa, I must have taken a wrong turn somewhere here. It uh, was on this date in 1945 that the final Big Three meeting between the United States, the Soviet Union, and Great Britain took place in Potsdam. That's uh, in Germany. The the discussion dealt with issues relating to post-war Europe and plans to deal with the ongoing conflict with Japan. By the time of the meeting, U.S. and British suspicions concerning Soviet intentions in Europe were intensifying. And somewhat oddly, the personnel of the previous Big Three meetings had changed. Franklin Roosevelt had died in April and was replaced by Harry Truman. And on the British side, Winston Churchill was defeated at the polls by Clement Attlee. In no small part due to the fact that uh, that people overseas did not have the right to vote in British elections with uh, absentee ballots, as as we uh, right we enjoy in America. And I guess I can't resist at this juncture mentioning Churchill's disparaging remark about Clement Attlee, in that he was a modest man with much to be modest about. July 17th in 1958, paleontologists Lewis and Mary Leakey discover one of the oldest hominid skulls in Olduvai Gorge in northern Tanzania. 
was originally named Zinjanthropus and was later renamed Australopithecus boisei. The Leakeys estimated the skull to be 1.75 million years ago, which is probably a good estimate of its age. However, the initial estimates that this was one of the ancestors of man uh, turned out to be false. The uh, skull found by the Leakeys appears to be, at best, uh, an uncle on the family tree of man. Oh, and on this date in 1955, Disneyland opened in Anaheim. Animator Walt Disney plowed uh, the, his uh, copious profits from uh, the film industry into this theme park and also his television program and basically got uh, what is today the world's second largest media corporation uh, up and rolling. All right, our quote of the day comes from the late Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan, who once said, everyone's entitled to his own opinion, but not his own facts. Our quote of the day comes from Phyllis Diller, who said, whatever you may look like, marry a man your own age. As your beauty fades, so will his eyesight. Our stat of the day is that according to a Gannett News Service analysis, death rates from motorcycle accidents have risen steadily since the number of states requiring helmets began dropping from 47 to 20. The annual death toll for motorcycles has now risen from 2160 to 4810. That's 10% of all traffic fatalities. And I can appreciate the fact that riding with a helmet can, can be a bummer especially around the neighborhood at low speeds, but, uh, you know, the helmet lot does save a lot of lives. Although one unforeseen consequence of, of the uh, helmet laws have been that there have been a lot fewer organ donors. So, uh, you know, wear your helmet. Our joke of the day comes from Charlie Sheen, who apparently was asked some years back on Saturday Night Live if he'd ever liked the job that his father has playing the president on West Wing, to which he replied, I could never be the president. Think about it. I've abused cocaine. I've been arrested. I'm not a very smart guy. It's a big joke to think people will want someone like me just because his dad was president. All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. It was a good week last week for sensible units. When a New Scientist magazine drew uh, our attention to two websites out there, one titled www.sensibleunits.com, as well as wikiunusualunits.notlong.com. Both these convert sensible units into not-so-sensible ones, if you ask them. This allows you to use units such as double-decker buses or football fields when describing something. Uh, my favorite item out of all these by far is that of the Millie Helen, based on the premise that uh, Helen of Troy was so beautiful that she was the face that launched a thousand ships. Well, if you extrapolate and figure that, you know, what quantity of beauty would be sufficient to launch one ship, well, that would be the Millie Helen. 
It was, on the other hand, a bad week for moving on from a bad space when it was announced that Bragg Bowling, spokesman for the Virginia Division of the Sons of the Confederate Veterans, has offered to donate a statue of the former Confederate President Jefferson Davis to the American Civil War Center. The group, described as a Southern Heritage Group, previously opposed a statue of President Abraham Lincoln for the same center. And finally, it was surely an ugly week last week for Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, when it was revealed that director Guy Ritchie, that's Madonna's husband, has signed Iron Man star Robert Downey to play the British sleuth Sherlock Holmes in the appropriately titled movie Sherlock Holmes. But wait, it gets worse. There is apparently a second Sherlock Holmes film in the works, which is set to feature Sasha Baron Cohen, better known as Borat, as Sherlock Holmes, with Will Ferrell to star as Dr. Watson. Now, if they can just find a way to get Robin Williams and Ben Stiller into this movie, you will have <laughs> the world's four foremost non-funny comics in one place. All right, uh, item from the lighter side. Uh, we have uh, Steve Mursky, the columnist for Scientific American that had a rather amusing little bit uh, in, in the current issue, which I think I'll quote from. Remember the Fly movies? A visionary researcher attempts to build a Star Trek-like transporter, but human bits mixed with bits of a fly that happen to be in the machine. Result, Fly Man, or Man Fly, depending on your point of view. I prefer the great Vincent Price effort of 1958 in which a cheesy fly head is perched in a human body. Noted Mursky, the 1986 Jeff Goldblum version of the fly is creepier because, well, it stars Jeff Goldblum. But Mursky notes he became intrigued by the short description of the movie called Curse of the Fly that appeared on the screen when he hit the info button on the remote. It said, quote, A mad scientist tries out a molecular disintegrator on people but cannot get the hang of it, unquote. <laughs> so it occurred to Steve Mursky that other sci-fi and fantasy movies also require terse synopses for the channel surfing community, such as E.T., a nerd from another planet goes bike riding and trick-or-treating. <laughs> or Star Wars, an adolescent discovers his true identity. <laughs> another good one, Predator, the future governor of California and the future governor of Minnesota go hiking. But uh, the second best, Alien. A feisty cat survives tense times aboard a spacecraft. And my personal favorite, 2001 A Space Odyssey. A slab of basalt and a talking computer get two astronauts into hot water. All right, we want to thank uh, want to thank Robin for some email regarding some well, some Republicans getting themselves in some more trouble. Apparently, a prominent anti-homosexual Republican Attorney General, he, that being of the, the the state of Alabama, has apparently been caught having homosexual intercourse with his male assistant. And the bonus of this story: oh, it was his wife that caught him in bed. Now that's a disgruntled wife. Apparently, this attorney general is named Troy King. His gay lover is e apparently described as either a college buddy or a very young youngster. And apparently, homecoming king from Troy University. 
was asked, uh, Robin asked, what are the odds of a dude named Troy King getting caught in bed with a homecoming king from Troy University? This sounds like a wacky sitcom plot. Oh, and we should mention the fact that uh, Mr. King apparently <laughs> is the state chairman of John McCain's Alabama campaign. King has a history of voicing his opposition to both abortion and homosexuality. He's worked to outlaw sex toys in Alabama. Now, we presume by that he means the inanimate kind. Apparently they found a quote from Mr. King on John McCain's campaign website, which is as follows. Alabama is a state where actions definitely speak louder than words. More than just talk, John McCain's strong record of support for states' rights and his devotion to the conservative principles of protecting life and the institution of marriage make him the right leader for Alabama. And yes, noted Robin, Mr. King's actions certainly do speak louder than words. And speaking of gays and words, we've been sitting on this one for one year, more than a year, because I just wasn't sure where it would fit into his show, but I think today's the day. It was noted last year that there was a messy divorce going on between former New Jersey Governor Jim McGreevy and his estranged wife. Turned out that uh, said wife, Dinah Mattis McGreevy, was blaming the former governor who resigned after announcing, I am a gay American, for the poor sales of her tell-all book. She says he hurt her image when he called her homophobic and is suing the ex-governor for libel and defamation. McGreevy responded that what really killed her book was her awful appearance on the Oprah show, where she appeared in an inappropriate and ill-fitting ball gown. And, quote, the fact that her book is poorly written and dull. And about all we can think of to say to that story is to add, well, yes, he is gay. And I did get some feedback uh, last week, not, not from an email or a phone call, but uh, personally, when I attended a birthday party and was advised by one of the uh, people in attendance who had heard some of the comments made on this program about gay marriage that, uh, that um, well, it was hard to believe I was saying some of these things. Particularly, he said, because I had it wrong about the issue of uh, civil uh, unions, that they, in fact, are, are not as comprehensive as, as, uh, as a marriage when it comes to granting rights to a partner. And that he personally knew all kinds of gay people that were having all sorts of conflicts related to domestic partnership issues. The feds have one standard or no standard. The state has other standards. It's a, it's a confusing mess, and I have to agree, he has a point. In fact, on next week's show, we're going to try and sort out some of this. We expect to have a chat with uh, Stephen Valentino, who is the former general manager of KDVS. Stephen's piece on gay marriage won a national award from the Gay and Lesbian Journalists Association, and I think... Um, we're gonna to have to kick this one around a bit. Now, I would like to say that we did have a meeting of a mind. We did have a certain meeting of the minds at this party, and uh, I'm not backing off from the idea that uh, you know pursuing a gay marriage in the last six months, or in this case now the last four months of an election year, is political suicide for the Democrats. And I can understand uh, people's impatience with wanting to see you know civil rights advanced. And yes, I'd agree that it's always easy for people to tell, you know, people who have rights guaranteed them to tell others, oh, just, just wait a little bit longer. Uh, you'll eventually get there. I know Martin Luther King wrote a famous essay on that very topic, Why We Can't Wait. So anyway, uh, tune in next week for what's, what's sure to be an interesting discussion on this topic.
Personally, I still think Gavin Newsom is uh, is 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 the best friend Karl Rove could hope for, and and more particularly, the John McCain could hope for. I would like to see this conservative brand of wing nuts uh, uh, out of power. At which point, uh, we can then you know pursue some other matters. On the algebra issue, I'd like to quote a letter from a high school senior, Eric Hansen from Elk Grove, who wrote the Sacramento Bee noting that he was outraged that the state is mandating Algebra 1 in 8th grade. Eric noted that although he is an honors student, he struggled and was challenged to perform at his usual level when it came to algebra and geometry. I don't know, we said on this program many months ago, algebra needs to be deleted from high school education and replaced with something we'd call practical math or perhaps scientific math. A huge percentage of people that graduate high school these days can't make change. And I'm sorry to say I'm looking for that uh, $6 uh, plastic fold-out algebra uh, summary they, they sell like in Rayleigh's. I bought it because I was just so astounded at its uselessness. But I really can't do it justice without it having, having it in front of me, so we'll just have to put that one off. But uh, we'll return to this. This topic, this is not going to go away. Article in the Sacramento Bee last week noted that... Uh, uh, just 20% of California 8th graders are proficient in algebra, and they note that although Algebra 1 is required for high school graduation, state colleges and community colleges report continuing high percentages, and in some cases, rising percentages of students who cannot do basic math or first-year algebra. Yeah, article in the B noted that uh, they quoted uh, the president of Miyamoto International Structural Engineers, who said, I use algebra every day. Every day. And, uh, you know, not to say it's not an important topic, but the way it has been taught in California for the past generation, oh, it just needs to be just, just changed or thrown out. And in other academic matters, I was listening to, uh, to Tom and Ray, the, the Tappet Brothers, Click and Clack, and a caller mentioned something about, uh, you know, the farms. I just caught the end of it, talking about the farms. Says, oh, yeah, we were just out there. And by the description, it was clear they were referring to UC Davis. And indeed, the wise-cracking automotive wizards of National Public Radio did uh, pay a visit to Davis here uh, recently. They were hosting a documentary titled Cars of the Future for PBS's uh, Nova. And as part of this, they dropped by the uh, UC Davis shop of Professor Andrew Frank. And although I'm sorry to say I missed it, I guess the program aired on PBS last April. And, uh, you know, we're big fans of, of the Maliazzi brothers and hope to have them uh, on this program at some point in the future, and, and we, we might. They're doing, uh, they're doing very well. I mean, the, their show is, is, is allegedly about auto repair, but it's about, you know, it's about critical thinking and having, a, you know, a lot of fun while they're doing it. And they, they've also expanded into a cartoon, which is actually pretty funny. We got that from UC Davis Magazine, which also noted that uh, former Radio Parallax guest, uh, Chancellor Larry Vanderhoof, is retiring. The man who's been UC Davis' is only their fifth chancellor is going to step down in June of next year. The article about him noted that UC Davis is now ranked eighth among all U.S. universities in contributions to society, according to the Washington Monthly. And according to U.S. News & World Report, is now ranked 11th among U.S. public universities. Anyway, congratulations to UC Davis. Let's take a short break. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax. Golden years, golden years. 